faith-filled hour, definitely grab your spouse by the hand and bring them to the chair and come and sit around this because we are going to be talking about marriage. That's right. Marriage is something that God really has given us as a gift. And I know a lot of people don't necessarily see it as a gift, but it truly is. Because if you look in Genesis, it says that, um, you know, Adam needed a helpmate. So we need people to help us. We need a helpmate. We need, we need a spouse to come along and pick up our stuff. And it was interesting because when, um, when I was, um, when I was starting, I was dating, I was in my 20s, I think I was like 25 or 26. And my aunt gave me some wisdom. And she said to me, she goes, when you're ready for a for to have a, uh, a husband, she goes, that's when you need to ask God for a husband. And I said, Okay, and I was dating, you know, meeting all different types of guys. And I was like, All right, I'm so done with the dating scene. And so I said, Lord, I said, you need to send me my husband. But you have to let me know that it's him because I'm really not smart. So I need like bells and whistles and I need like stuff just to let me know. So I didn't think anything of it. And I started to, um, I had a very good friend and um, he had a video production company. And so I was going to school for communications and I said, how great would it be for me to go and to do an internship with my friend? So I asked my friend and I said, hey, do you think I could come and work for you as an intern? And his reply was, yeah, that would be fine. And so we're spending time together and he's showing me about editing and he's teaching me all these different things about video. And I'm going to school and I'm, I'm taking my communication class and I'm practically teaching the class because he had the highest or the latest high tech equipment that uh, or state of the art equi equipment that they had. And so I was sharing all the new stuff that I was using and I was doing going on video shoots and everything. And I was um, asked by him, he said, I want you to come to uh, to Atlantic City because he was doing this big job. And um, he said, I want you just to kind of pretend to be my date. Now we were just friends. We were just friends, but something happened. Something happened because remember I prayed and God heard my prayer and something happened. And that time in Atlantic city, God started to change things in me. And he started to show me something that I never saw before. And so when we were driving back, up uh, back home, he was driving me home. Something happened where I looked at him and I realized, oh my goodness, I'm falling in love with this man. And I literally felt like I was in a cartoon and I felt like I got hit over the head with an anvil because everything became very, you know, and the sounds became very like apparent. Everything got louder, the music got louder, and I became kind of weird and and I didn't know what to do. And then for two weeks, for two weeks, I was really uncomfortable trying to figure out now how do I go from friendship into possibly having a relationship. And when we did finally start a relationship, it was we were together and we've been together. And this uh, October will be 25 years. And I will tell you something that because I prayed that prayer and because I knew for a fact that this was who God has chosen for me, that has helped me to overcome lots of difficult times in my relationship. And I really believe that when you understand that when God brings people together, what God has brought together, there's the um, the thing is, is what God has brought together, let no end put us under. And it's hard. Marriage is hard. And that's what we're going to talk about, especially that we are here 
um, sequestered with our loved ones. And, um, and it's going to be in those times where, you know, we have to remember the first thing that God talks about, because I'm sure that everybody had it in their marriage vows. And that was in first Corinthians, it talks about what love is. And it says that love endures all things. And we sometimes have to remember that being in marriage, that being in relationship, sometimes there's an, you have to endure things. And so I'm super, super excited to bring up my guest. They have written a book. It is called The Un perfect marriage. Guess what? I think that I fit in this category. That's right. My guests are Philip and Darlena Fields. Um, they have a, I love this. It's a transformation center in Peachtree, um, Georgia, Peachtree Center, uh, Georgia. And uh, they are going to be joining us here. And we are going to talk about what does love look like and what can marriage look like with the father. So thank you guys for coming on touch by prayer. I am so excited to have you guys on. You guys are awesome. We got to talk yesterday and it was just an instant, instant connection. So I'm so excited to hear your heart and to um, share your story. Thanks for having us on, Lisa. Yeah. We're excited about tonight. It's good. Absolutely. Okay. So I, I gave my little my spiel. <laughs> um, Good spiel. And the it was well. It was a truth spiel because I will tell you that it it definitely has been. My my husband just wrote that's me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is. Um, <laughs> so what's really uh, what was really interesting is that you know I, we've come into a place where you know we are being led by our feelings and especially when it comes to marriage and one of the things that we can't trust especially when it comes to marriage is our feelings mm. because sometimes our feelings are wrong correct mm -hmm. oh yes okay yeah yeah so yeah. so let's let's dive in to let's dive into the unperfect marriage let's because yeah, because honestly, the one thing about the unperfect marriage is that, gosh, I think that's me. Hmm. I think that there's a lot of people who can say that's me. Yeah. So, so why don't you, um, why don't you go ahead and why don't you kind of start sharing some of the ways that God started to take your unperfect marriage and turn it into a marriage after his own heart? Hmm. You want to start, babe? Yeah. Well, I think that I think that what happens is is that we we all get married hoping that this thing's going to be perfect. It's going to meet all of our needs, and uh, you know, I know that for me, I grew up in an abusive family, and so everything that I was missing in my childhood, I thought I could create in my own marriage. And so, when I discovered that it wasn't perfect. And, and that I was recreating some of the same stuff from my childhood, it really scared me. And so uh, I did what I think a lot of people do. Uh, I had enough knowledge to know that uh, maybe I can try to fix my wife. And so I thought <laughs> that, that she was the problem. And, and I really, you know, most of my prayer and my focus was on fixing her and getting, getting her to take a look at some things in her life so that our lives could be better, but really it was all about making my life better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
case. <laughs> I mean, we always think that, oops, what happened? <laughs> we always think that um, it's somebody else. In fact, I'll never forget like one of the books that somebody gave me, and, and I'm sure Darlena, you can totally um, understand this, but it's The Praying Wife, right? Have you ever read oh, that yeah. book? Right. Yes, okay. I had okay. that one. Oh, heck yeah. yeah. And you're like, I wore that one out, girl. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. And so you're reading it and you're like, yes, I'm going to pray for my husband and he's going to turn. He's going to turn. And then you read the first chapter and where God says, oh, yeah, someone's going to change, but it's not going to be your husband. It's going to be you. And, oh, yeah. And you're like, no, no, he's the problem, you know, and that was one of the things that God really talked to me about. He said, Lisa, he says, someone's going to change, but it's not going to be your husband. It's going to be you. I'm going to change the things inside of you that react to the stuff that he's doing, because those wounds are not from him. Those are from another place. And so we're going to fix those so that the stuff, it, it doesn't bother. And just like you said, Philip, I was the same thing. I was looking for, I had a Cinderella wedding. I mean, no, I seriously did. I had a Cinderella wedding. That was our theme. It was Cinderella. So he was my prince in shining armor. And he came to rescue the Cinderella who was, you know, just an outcast and put aside. I mean, literally. Oh, yeah, girl, I get it. Right? And so- yeah. You, you know, here you are, you're reading this book and you're a counselor. You went to school to be a counselor, right? You, you, and um, mm -hmm. so, and so you have Philip who is a, a, a pastor at the time and you're a counselor. And so you're thinking, my goodness gracious, they must have just the absolute perfect marriage. Well, wouldn't you think? <laughs> so what, <laughs> so what happened? Cause I love how you say that marriage is messy. My goodness gracious. Mine looks like, look like a hoarder's house for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we went, we went at it for a long time before we actually had our aha mm -hmm. and realized that, that we were on the same team and that it wasn't each other's fault that we both had a role to play. And, you know, we were married, you know, maybe about 20 years before we came to that conclusion. And that was after he had toted me to Missouri for a marriage intensive to try and get me fixed. And I had spent years of um, Southern girl manipulation trying to turn him into the man that I needed him to be. And so it was a journey. Mm -hmm. And the book talks about story after story of our journey and our lessons, the hard lessons that we learned in trying to fix each other. Mm -hmm. And but more than that, the revelation that we had that really turned everything around was that we were trying to get each other to be each other's fantasy. Oh, that's and, good. That's and really once good. we once we had the realization of that, that uh, you know, we started having to unravel so much because mm -hmm. our the revelation was was that we had these fantasies that started when we were children. You know, and part of it was to cope in the violent atmospheres that we grew up in, twisted with romantic movies and all that you learn from media and books and TV and Disney princess movies. Uh, come on. <laughs> Let's, no, seriously, we can do an entire show, Darlena, on that. Yeah. I mean, I'm all about princesses. I really am. I'm all about princesses. But, you know, we have to understand 
the the thing about princesses is that they were girls with a destiny, but there mm-hmm. were things inside of them that were trying to stop them and block them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Do you know That's what I mean? Very there were spiritual way to look at it. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I have a whole thing about that, but continue. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it was so. What I was saying was that when we had the revelation that it was the this fantasy that was really hanging us up because as long as you hold your spouse up against this fantasy, they're always going to fall short. Mm-hmm. They're never going to live up and they're never going to be enough because fantasy only comes alive on the movie screen. Mm-hmm. And it was when we destroyed these fantasies mm-hmm. and, and laid them to rest that it it freed us up to be who we were both created to be by the Lord mm-hmm. and created for each other to be. Yeah. And what I realized was, is that, and I start, I talk about this in the book in the beginning is, is that, you know, pain for me as a child was so intense. Uh, I can remember an argument when I ran out the back door and I'm running down to my best friend's house and, you know, I'm, I'm crying, I'm upset I feel traumatized and I come up on my, my friend's house and he's in this split level house. He and his siblings and parents are sitting down. They're watching Disney. It's Sunday night. The sun's going down. They got their TV dinners. They got Disney. They've got love. And I mm-hmm. said to myself subconsciously as a little boy, I'm going to have that someday. And someday that's going to be me. I'm going to get to sit around that that TV and I'm going to get to have my family with me and I'm going to have those deep, deep abiding connections. And there's going to be no arguing. There's going to be no violence. <laughs> there's going to be no disagreements. We're just going to, <laughs> we're just going to be happy. And so my fantasy was to have Mary Poppins. Okay. The, the, the funness, the exciting Mary Poppins who made everything happy. She just had to look like a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> oh, no problem. So no, no, the expectations were in no way too high. <laughs> well, you got, you got part of it. You got the Dallas Cowboy cheerleader thing. That right? you got. Oh, Texas, we got half of it right. <laughs> I mean, seriously. But the, but the other thing is about the Mary Poppins. You know, yeah. you wanted her to give you a spoonful of sugar. To make that medicine go down. Girlfriend, if I'd known that TV dinners and Disney's movies were all was going to make make him happy, I'd have been doing that years ago. Mm -hmm. And and see, but isn't that interesting? Like your perspective of Mm -hmm. what you saw as a happy marriage was Mm -hmm. TV dinners and sitting around watching Disney. Because as a child, that's where where that hurt came in. That's where that disconnect from reality pushed you because I always feel that when we, um, and and from, from doing the show, I've had so many different amazingly wise people who have come on and they've talked about what trauma does to us. And so what happens is that that trauma as a little boy just kind of took that part of you and put it over here and the rest of you are here, you're over here. And so this, every time this gets triggered causes a reaction. So when it is in TV dinners, when it is in Disney, when it isn't sitting around, when, when the hard stuff has to come, that little boy comes back up and says, wait a second. Where's my team dinner? Oh, right. Right? Yeah. So true. Yes, those fantasies do start out um, as coping mechanisms if you were a child that grew up in a violent 
a violent home or violent atmosphere. But you take those same fantasies into adulthood and they're no longer coping mm -hmm. skills. They're, they're, they cause wreckage in your life at that point. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, is that any trauma that we experience is all in pictures. You know, the, the research says that anytime we have a trauma, it's, it's given to us in a picture form. And so our heart takes a picture of that. And actually every cell in your body has one of these pictures in it. And so anytime, you know, your heart pulls these memories back up when you get triggered. And so when you start to roll out stress in marriage, that's all it takes. Then your buttons get pushed and then you start reacting out of that place mm -hmm. that you said you would never recreate mm. and you do. And then there's a lot of shame with that. And then, you know, throw in the fact that you're running a church or you're leading in a church or you're, you know, a Christian and, and you just go, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to be acting this way, but I can't stop myself. Mm -hmm. And that's what we discovered is, is that, we both had areas like this where shame and fear and, mm -hmm. you know, this stuff would come out and we didn't know how to reel it back in and we didn't know how to help each other. And so what we did is, is we sort of made it worse by the way that we were reacting to each other. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, we just created this, you know, cycle, Crazy cycle. you know, it's like a merry-go-round. You just push the button and here we go again. And, it, you know, it could be, you know, the, I guess the hot topic right now is toilet paper. And so we could just be arguing <laughs> yeah. over who used up the last piece of toilet paper. And then here we go. Well, how did we get there? I don't want a divorce. Yeah. You know, it's before like you crazy. know it, all the dinosaur bones are out of the closet and it just started with toilet paper. Yeah. Mm. And I think that's such, um, I think that the way that you put that, Scott, is, it, oh, excuse me, Scott, because um, I'm thinking toilet paper. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Sorry. Scott Niles. laughs> I'm thinking, to I, you got me on toilet paper. See, that's everybody's thing. And we're actually fine on toilet paper. So, um, but Philip, one of the things that, um, that really hit me was the, um, the fact that you said it was about pictures, because when you have a picture in you, like when you take that snapshot, I mean, think about it, like go through your phone camera, like you have pictures in there that you haven't looked at in five years, seven years, 10 years. But every time you see that picture, it immediately pulls up a feeling. It brings oh, a feeling yeah. of happiness. It brings a feeling of, of laughter. Like you could see a picture and that's why it says like a, a, a picture, you know, tells a story. So the mm -hmm. fact that our traumas, um, if, if you think about it, it's like an iCloud. It holds all mm -hmm. these pictures, all these memories that we can pull back up. And the enemy actually can pull back up to bring stuff. You know, one of the things that, um, that, I, um, that the Lord talked to me about is he said that everything has to eat. He said, he says, everything, everything has to eat. And he says, and that includes demons. And he says, and sometimes what happens is those, those spirits of like anger and those things that just have controlled us will, will mm -hmm. try to cross feed. And so if you have like rejection issues, you know, that rejection needs to be fed. And so subconsciously you're like, how the heck did I do that? But it's subconsciously the enemy will yes. pull up that thing that's going to make you feel rejected again. And until yes. you get that healed, you, you're just going to be going around, like you said, on the merry-go-round. So, okay. Right. So great analogy. 
so one of the things that that I love, Darlena, is that you being a counselor, you're seeing, you're like, wait, I think that's on page like 56. Like, you know, you're starting to see things in your marriage. So who was the one who was like, all right, wait, we, we got to get off the merry-go-round. We, we have to, we got to take hold of this and we got to get off of this ride. Well, I will say that it's Philip that was always trying to fix us. And, and then, you know, I did, I mentioned how he wagged me to, to Branson to try and fix me. And he had a revelation in there that it wasn't just me, that he had a mm. role to play as well. And that's his story. And I'll let him tell it. And you want to jump in and tell it? Yeah. Well, and I think, that, you know, I, I got the master's degree in marriage and family counseling. And so I'm thinking to myself, this whole problem is the result of her anger. And so I'm thinking that if we can get her to be less angry, then our lives are going to be better. And so I did, I did a ton, a ton of research on where's the best place for us to go. And so we paid thousands of dollars and we're in the middle of this intensive and you know, it's kind of my turn to tell my side of the, the story. And I, all I do is talk about how angry she gets and what she does when she gets angry. And, and I'm thinking that this counselor who's amazing is going to look at me and just have so much compassion for me. And, mm -hmm. and, and then he's going to, you know, do his magic on her. Mm -hmm. And so he looks at me and instead of doing that, he says, what kind of man do you want to be whenever your wife is upset? And I said, bro, you didn't, you, can, do I need to retell this for you? <laughs> You're missing the details. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and so sure enough, he says, Hey, how do you want to show up whenever she's angry? And I said, I want to be a part of the solution. He said, well, then you have to recognize that you play a role. And he said, what role do you play? And I said, well, when she gets angry, I shut down. I don't have a defense. He said, so you believe that your only choice is to pull away. And I was like, yeah. And some days, sometimes I pull away for three days at a time. And he goes, so what message are you sending her? Well, I'm telling her to stop being angry. He said, no, what you're telling her is that she doesn't get to be loved until she gets it right. Boom. Okay. And so mic drop. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm like, oh, that's so good. So, but but what the, the thing was is that what he began to show me as he unpacked this with me is he said, look, you play a role not much different than hers, mm -hmm. but what you're doing is you're reacting to the fear in yourself. Mm -hmm. And what you have to fix is the fear that you are mishandling. And, and that fear is controlling you. That's where you start. You don't start with her. And when, whoa, I was like, okay. So what you're telling me is, is that first of all, I don't have to fix her. I don't have to make this better for her. I don't have to get her to stop being angry. I get to work on my fear. And he said, yeah. And then what would it look like is, it, you know, instead of you saying, you know, what are you doing or what's wrong with you? If you looked at her and you said, what do you need? Mm -hmm. What do you need? And that became like the magic response for me because I did want to be supportive, but I also didn't want to be controlled by her anger. And so when I started to control the fear that I felt like was 
overwhelming and impossible to control because I grew up with an angry father. So anytime that he got angry, I'm out the door. Well, that was automatic in my marriage too. So I corrected both of those by saying to myself, look, I'm going to manage my fear, which is the fear of being controlled by her, you know, because he asked me, he said, why does she get angry? I'll tell you why she gets angry because she's little, she's from Texas. And this is how they control people in Texas. <laughs> I mean, just, I mean, my, my, my point was, is that I thought it was something she was doing on purpose. But when he asked her the question, she said, I'm overwhelmed. We have four kids. I'm homeschooling. He travels all the time. And I'm here trying to figure out how to do this on my own. He walks in the door and picks out the first thing that I'm not doing right. So mm. there you go. Well, and so let, let's just go back because one of the first <laughs> things that you said is that you grew up in a house. So when mm -hmm. the reason that you became shut down is because that little boy was starting oh, yeah. to see that repetition. And what can you do as a little boy? You right. can't do anything. That's right. Powerless. You're powerless. powerless. So isn't yes. it isn't it crazy how the enemy can just like take us and just whip us back into a place where we become powerless? I mean, here you are, pastor, you're a marriage counselor, and you know, you know all the right things to do and the right things mm -hmm. to say, but yet we can still get into that place where we become stripped. Yes. So that's why I really, 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 really believe that every single person needs to go for some inner healing. I really, really do because we all got our stuff, you know, yeah. we all got our stuff. And I can so understand, Darlena, how you felt because, you know, when you're taking care of everything and you're trying to, and you kind of feel like, you know, you're doing the best that you can and you feel like somebody's coming in from the outside and you think you've been doing you've been doing a, a great job and you're expecting to hear, yeah, you're doing so good. Thank you so much. It looks fantastic. And instead you're like getting the, the finger pointing. It's like, dude, are you kidding me? <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, I can see it, it's funny because you can see both sides and you can see how the enemy will take, like you're wanting to be recognized and, and to be loved and to be, um, credited not because like you you need the pat on the back but you know where do you get your your praise from you get it from your husband that's at least that's biblical right you're not supposed to be looking from other people and outside sources you're supposed to be getting it from your spouse so you know where it says you know husbands love your wives the way that Christ loved the church you know so there's there's that those things in our head that are constantly like telling us what we should be getting and it just comes to a place where where the boom comes so when you got the boom and the microphone dropped in that counselor's office <laughs> what did you do what did you do <laughs> i was chuckling behind his back honestly um, <laughs> no what what yeah. it what it did for me lisa is mm -hmm. that it it freed me from this prison that I lived in, that I was the problem mm -hmm. was when you live in your marriage under the lie that you're the problem. It just keeps you paralyzed and keeps you stuck there. And what I was coming to believe was that my family and my husband would, would be better off without me if I just left mm. because the, 
the, to think that I could never get angry again was just, it was just too much. You know, mm -hmm. I couldn't live under that. But the revelation that we came home with that he played a role as well, it freed me up to work on myself. Mm -hmm. And I did go after that hard. Mm. Uh, Philip will say that he doesn't know anyone that's worked on themselves like I have. And I feel like I've pulled myself through a keyhole backwards. I, I, I did so much work on myself and it was in that during um, that working on myself that I had the revelation of fantasy among other things. I also uh, really did a lot of work on finding my identity as a daughter. Mm. And it was in that discovery of the love of a father that just brought so much healing and unraveling and, and liberation mm. from um, the rage that I struggled with. And that, that healing journey began uh, at the tail end of three years, uh, really hard, dark years that I call my dark night of the soul. And what I didn't know was that that dark night of the soul was brought on because I was exhausted with hiding. Mm, that's I was exhausted fun. with hiding and the, in the shame of struggling with rage as a pastor's wife and all the other things that I was hiding, like a food addiction and, and the screaming and yelling at my kids and all the things that go along with struggling with anger behind closed doors. And this really set me on a journey after just the cementing my identity and the love of Christ it really set a platform and kind of a catalyst for me to come out of hiding. And I, the, one of the things I did to come out of hiding was to confess the rage struggle and publicly and that just created so much liberation in our home. It felt like revival hit. Mm -hmm. And we began to see our children coming undone as well. Because when you have a long marriage of struggle, your kids acted out. Mm -hmm. And our kids were doing all kinds of scary things. And instead of going after the scary things in my kid's life, I, I went after me. Because the Lord showed me that when I break stuff off my own life, I set my children free. That's I create good. space for my children to be free. And so that's what I did. I just kept going after freedom and going after healing and breakthrough until I came to this place of discovering the fantasy and which I already uh, alluded to earlier. But when I made that discovery that I had a fantasy for my marriage, I also realized that I had a fantasy for my children a fantasy for my professional life. And I had to pull all those veils down and destroy them um, so that I could have the real. And what tearing them down and destroying them looked like was me repenting to my husband and my children for holding them against this fantasy. Because when you do that, you're looking above their heads. You don't even see them. I had mm -hmm. to repent to them for not even seeing them. Right. Because I was too busy staring at a fantasy that I was trying to get them to live up to. And honestly, Lisa, that was probably the root of my rage is because I couldn't get my husband, my children, my marriage, my life to match this fantasy. 
That is so, that is so, so good. Because especially for women, we are put in a fantasy bubble. Like mm. from the way that we're supposed to look, from the way that our hair is supposed to be, from our our makeup is supposed to be, from our dress mm -hmm. is supposed to be. I mean, yeah. everything, because everything that we look at, that we want to ascertain is all fake anyway. It's all mm. fake. Yeah. From the food that people are cooking on, uh, sometimes it's all, it's not even real, half of it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, right. we have to, like, we really have to understand that most of the beautiful celebrities that we see are all airbrushed. We have to understand that if they're not airbrushed, that they have somebody who comes in and professionally does makeup on them, does their hair. They have hair extensions. They have eyelash extensions. So anything that we're trying to live up to, it's impossible to do in an, just without those things. So unless yeah. you're going to spend 24-7 trying to be, you know, having a coach, having, you know, somebody who, you know, works out with you and do all these things. But, right. you know, we have life to do. We don't yes. have that. Exhausting, time-consuming, inexpensive. <laughs> yes. You know, and, and, and when, you're, when you spend your life doing that, you miss mm -hmm. all the things that make life worth living. That's right. You miss the moments where you could have sat on the floor and played with your kids. Mm -hmm. You miss the moments in the morning where you're just have coffee in your jammies with your spouse and have real heart to heart because you're driven by performance and perfection and an image that just drives you. So you can't really even enjoy your life and even see your life and appreciate it for what it really is. Well, it's part of the machine. It really is. I mean, that's one of the things that you wrote is you said that we, and I love this. I thought this was just so great. But you said that we put ourselves on the American dream fantasy, put us on a performance treadmill. Mm. And then, <laughs> Philip, what did you say happened to that treadmill? It got unplugged. It got <laughs> unplugged. That's right. Mm -hmm. Coronavirus unplugged the treadmill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so we can take busy off the list. You know, because it's no longer, I mean, if we're busy, we're healthcare workers, you know, so well, let, let's, but let's take another, let's take another thing. Okay. So now what happens is you're lucky if you put makeup on, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Just saying, right. You're not putting makeup on your hair. Maybe, maybe will or will not get washed. It depends <laughs> on the day. <laughs> you know, right. you're not going to be dressing up. You don't need to put on shoes. I'm just being real. Like mm -hmm. this yeah. has just, and honestly, I really hear women shouting, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> no, because think about it. We don't have to, to get ourselves into that image because right. you know, if we're working outside of our homes, we have to maintain a certain image. And especially yes. if you're a pastor's wife, you have to maintain mm -hmm. a certain image, but now, way up there. right? Because they're like, well, yeah. you know, her hair didn't look right. You know, she must be, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, it's, there's you know, a total stereotype for pastor's wives please. that I never lived up to. And that was probably one of the issues too. Well, well but, one of the big traps with that is, is that, so when you're hurting, like we were, where do you go? Like mm. in this culture right now, who are people turning to? Who do we get to talk to whenever we're the leader to leaders? 
That's right. You know, it's not okay for us to struggle. Now, and that I think is the biggest, the biggest problem with our church. I really do believe that because I believe that our pastors and leaders, they need to have people. You have to have an inner circle. If you don't have an inner circle, I highly okay. recommend getting one. Mm -hmm. You yeah, have yeah. to have people just like, you know, yes, I can talk to my husband about certain things, but there are certain things I can't. There are certain things that I need to have my girlfriends, but I need to have girlfriends who see what I'm called to do, understand my purpose, are believing in my purpose and my destiny, and are going to sit there and hold me accountable to it. Mm -hmm. It's not just about the, um, I'm going to stroke you kind of circle. You don't want that. You want people who will get into your face and correct you if you need it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We can't have growth without accountability and you can't have accountability without trust. Come on. That's and, it. And, and when you have that trust, then you can really lean on relationships. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, especially, um, and, I, and I, I'm sorry, I keep going back to Darlena, but there is such a, um, there's such a, an issue with um, pastor's wives because mm -hmm. you have to be so careful because you don't want to ever you know, let your guard down. So you're constantly, you know, hovering and covering. That's what I call it, you know? And mm -hmm. the other thing too is when you guys were talking, when Darlena, you were talking about it, you know, Philip, you were in the shame game, but, but Darlena, you were in the blame game. And those are two of the things that we constantly mm -hmm. have to combat is that we feel mm -hmm. blamed for everything or we feel shamed for not doing something. And exactly. that, and so when we become free, when we know who we are in crisis, you, when we be, we truly take our princess crowns and become daughters of the most high, when we put on our crown as a son of the most high, and we walk in that authority and that understanding that we're not going to be rejected by the father, but we can come to him. There is a freedom that that you can't buy. It has to be something that you, that you understand that was given to you freely. Yeah. Yes. Well, and vulnerability is really the tool that helps us overcome the shame. You mm -hmm. know, vulnerability says, I am going to own who I am. Vulnerability is not puking on other people. Come on. Talk it's, about it's, that. I'm going to, I'm going to own who I am. It's me saying, to my wife, I'm afraid whenever you're angry versus, you know, you make me feel like I'm nobody when you get angry. Mm -hmm. And so when, when we learn how to properly use vulnerability, we can let people in to our experience and what we're going through and what's, what our struggles are, what's, what's intimidating for us, what overwhelms us, what stresses us out. And, most of the time, you know, especially as men, we're, we're not allowed. We're not allowed to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. and, and so then you throw in men who are pastors, you know, you don't sit down in front of your team and go, hey, guys, I'm struggling in my marriage mm -hmm. and this is what's going on. You know, you just don't do that. And so we create these cultures in our churches where, you know, it's not okay to be open and honest and vulnerable. You get punished for it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we call it church discipline, you know, 
And, and so as a result, then what do we do? Well, when we walk in, we want to put our, you know, best foot forward and we act as this. Yeah. And we play the game every week. Well, we're not doing it right now, but you know, I guess, I guess at home, it's kind of hard to play that game, but you know, so the places for us to hide right now, a lot of them don't exist. We don't get to hide as much right now. So Oh no, this is like, this is like hide and seek, man. This is, this has been like there, you know, you know exactly where you can go in your house where you can have some quiet time and that's pretty much it. You know, otherwise it's like game on with everybody and, right. and yeah. having, having to deal because I think that one of the things that I heard the Lord say earlier this year is he said he was going to be dealing with families hmm. and a lot of people were writing that he's going to be dealing with families. And so how, my goodness gracious. Now I'm not saying God did this. God did not do this coronavirus, but he will use something. My mm -hmm. goodness gracious, is he not using this? Because, yes, because think about it. You, you wake up, <laughs> you're with your husband or wife and you're with them all day. And then you have dinner with them or lunch with them or whatever. And then you go to bed and you wake up and you do it again. And you do it again. And most people, when my husband and I, when um, when uh, Rob and I uh, had a uh, he had a business and I was working for him, we you know we were with each other twenty four seven. And people would say to me, "Aren't you aren't you tired of being with him?" Like I'm like, "No, he's my best friend." And at that point, it, he was because I was still in that newlywed stage. And so we, and we did everything and we had common goals and common interests. And so we were going through life and everything was great. But then when the kids came in and I love my children, so it's not that, but it then puts this, this, it kind of takes the attention off of the husband. Now the, the wife has to now put it and become mother. And so there, mm -hmm. there is, there are things that we go through. And then as the kids become, you know, teenagers, when we go through the teenage, you know, there are all different challenges, but it's a, it's a way mm -hmm. that we have to reconnect and stay connected. That's why I think um, a lot of people are, are really starting to, to kind of figure some stuff out. And, and I, I believe me, I'm raising my hand here, you know, it's like you you get through one thing, but then something else raises its its ugly head. And so you're now, oh, now I have to do that. And so, you know, mm -hmm. what are um what are some of the the I don't want to say keys, but um what are some of the tools that you guys have gotten in this journey that have you've been able to use to help other couples as they've been coming to these crossroads? Yeah. So, so in the, in the last chapter of the book, we talk about these seven principles that healed our marriage. And so that's a, a real important piece. What were you going to say? I was going to talk about the first one. Go. So the first and most important principle that we used or practice that we used is owning your own story. And that in and of itself take, takes courage is it's, it's when you drop the fantasy, drop the mask, drop the armor that you wear every day to guard and protect you. And then you own your story and you say, you're able to say, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm the girl that, that grew up in a trailer park in Texas and with a, 
in a very violent home. And because I didn't know any better, I started acting out my, my upbringing and my marriage because I didn't, that's what I knew to do. And the next thing I know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a rager and I've distancing my husband from me. My kids are scared of me. And all the while I'm a pastor's wife and I'm putting and being put in these situations where I feel like my life is under a microscope, being a homeschool mom, being a pastor's wife at a very small church, living in people's homes while we're waiting for our house to be built. You know, for someone that spends their days armoring up so that they don't be, they can't be seen and no one finds out their deepest, darkest secrets. That's exhausting. Yeah. So owning your story, that's the first one. Yeah. Yes. I got a little off track. So that's that was okay. my story that I had to own. I forgot why I was telling that for a second. Yeah. But the rest of it was really good. So keep going. <laughs> so that I was giving an example of how you own your story. Mm-hmm. And so that was the equation. That was where, that was my story. And you put that in light of God's redemptive power. And he takes all that ugly that you think is shameful and you don't want anyone to know. And he turns it into something beautiful. And that's the power of owning your story as as a believer. You get to sit it in front of Jesus and he does his redemptive thing that I love about him so much and turns it into something beautiful. And that's the power of owning your story. And that's the number one thing. Yeah. Well, and I think that, I think that along with that is, is that when, when couples ask me this or people ask me this, you know, what turns a marriage around? I say one word practice. And they say, what do you mean by that? I say practice. And, and when a couple is all tied up and they've been in this conflict and, you know, it's evolved and they can't even begin to talk through it. What they have done is they have practiced self-protection to the point that they have come to believe that their mate is their enemy. Mm. Okay. Now what we're going to do is we're going to unpractice that. All right. Mm. And so the seven practices that heal marriage. Yes. You start with owning your story. Where are you at? Don't talk about where your mate is. Talk Mm -hmm. about where you are. Where am I? Well, I want to give up. I'm done. I can't take this anymore. Okay. So that's where you are. Okay. So we need to start with where you are. You need to know where you are, because if you're coming to counseling or something like that, and you're saying, Hey, um, you know, my wife does this and she does that. And does no, we don't know where you are. We need to know where you are. And so that personal responsibility for where you are is the first practice. I want to give up, but I don't want to give up. I'm afraid. I'm afraid if I give up, you know, this is what's going to happen. So Mm -hmm. we start right there and then we start to move on. And, and what we do is, is we get to this place in the practicing where we start to understand our own fear buttons. Mm -hmm. And this is where, when I'm doing an intensive with couples, a lot of times I'll do these one and two day intensives with a couple where I'll spend, you know, a day or two with one couple. And 
in this process, I'll show them. I have an assessment process and tool, and it helps them find out what those fears are because those fears have been with you your whole life. Mm -hmm. And when you discover the source of them is not her or him, it's what you're believing. And what you're believing has come from your experiences that you've rehearsed over and over and over. And in your little head, in my little head, we have this way of coming to believe that they are doing something that's controlling us. But no, what's happening is, is that feelings are surfacing and then we have these reactions and the reactions are our attempt to get our spouse to stop doing something that we don't want to feel. Yes. Mm, that's so good. Say that again, Philip, because that was really good. Yeah. So, so what happens is, is feelings come up and when the feelings come up, we react and our reaction is an attempt to get our spouse to stop doing something we don't want to feel. That's so good. That is such a good point because yeah. if you really think about it, you know, it's almost like, um, um, there's a, what is it? Uh, the fight, fight or flight kind of thing yeah. or freeze yeah. or freeze. Right. Yeah. You know, when something comes up that we don't want, it's like, if it makes us uncomfortable, we're going to fight it. Mm-hmm. And if we, and if we can't fight it, we're going to flee it. Yeah. Which yeah. is Darlena, what you were saying is that there were times that you felt like run away, run away. And trust me, I'm girlfriend, been there, been there, been there mm-hmm. because, right. because it was a, it wasn't something that I wanted to do, but it was that there's nothing I could not control the situation. Right. I just couldn't felt like a solution. And so I thought, well, my family would be better off without me. And Mm -hmm. it also came from my mother leaving Mm -hmm. multiple times. She would always come back, Mm -hmm. but you'd always leave. (laughs) Yeah. So I had, I had that in my repertoire of memories and triggers. That Mm -hmm. was something that I was taught is what we do when the kitchen gets hot you don't mm. turn down the the flame. You leave the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, that, right. that's what I was taught. You know, mm. you, you go yeah. walk up the house and walk out, and that's and that's mm. it, and let it let it burn down. And you know, there is no thought about it. And that's where, as as Jesus really started to deal with things in me, I he started to say, you know, my anger, because like you, you know, the anger was that I couldn't control it. And so when I couldn't control it, I just became really, really angry. And that was like my, and because I couldn't figure out, I kept thinking it's a demon. It's a demon. (laughs) No, it was control. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's not always a demon. I mean, obviously. It's so much easier to blame it on a demon. (laughs) Heck yeah. You know, I need deliverance. No, you need to stop controlling. (laughs) But ownership. Ownership. Right. And that and that's why I love what you guys said about like the story owning it. You have to mm-hmm. own it, you know, and sometimes we don't, we don't want to talk about our stuff because we think, okay, I've been redeemed. I've been, you know, washing mm-hmm. the blood. I'm, I'm good. Washing blood. I'm mm-hmm. washing the blood. That stuff doesn't affect me anymore. Well, it it might not affect you, but it definitely affects you. Mm-hmm. That it's still, it's still there. And unless it's gotten dealt with and um, packed up and put away. You know, it's just a, a, it's like 
having a, p a piece of cheese, eventually it's going to stink. Eventually you're going to yeah. have to throw it out. You're going to have to deal with it, you know? So that's, that's what I love about what you guys are doing. I love the book because it really helps you to, to see things in just in, in such a very simplistic, but relatable way. That's mm -hmm. what I love is it's not speaking from up here, but it's speaking from right here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because a lot of the marriage books are, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We've read plenty of them and studied plenty of them in graduate school. Right? Yeah. And don't you always feel like, you know, mm -hmm. you, you just, you can't go there because you feel like there's such an authority, but it's not like a girlfriend. That's what I felt. Like, you guys are like friends. We're going to sit mm -hmm. down. We're going to, we're going to hash out your marriage. <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. You called us last night. You, uh, this was really cool. You said this, you called us the, the fixer ups. Of, fixer uppers. Yep. Fixer, up, fixer uppers of marriage. I like the Chip and, and Joanna Gaines. That's yeah. right. I call them Chip and Joanna Gaines. And that really is it. I mean, we, yeah. we haven't tried to hide our redneck or mountainsided uh, hillbilly lifestyles that we came out of that. There's no hiding that, you know, spend mm -hmm. some time with us. You'll see it. So, but the, the reality is this is where most of us live. Mm -hmm. This is where we live. This is where we struggle. And they're just, you know, what, what I say to couples is, and they say, you know, can you save my marriage? I say, absolutely not. No, no, I just can't do that for you, but you can. That's right. And that's what and, I love right there. Mm -hmm. That word, but you can No, but everybody wants, everybody wants Burger King, Like yes. they want it their way. And yeah, we don't I mean, want process. Yeah, come on now. You know, we we've come into this place where everything has to be immediate gratification. Nobody wants to work for it, and that's why oh, people yeah. don't plant. Yeah, and it's all about comfort, girl. Mm -hmm. And I, we we've discovered that one of the reasons why people don't want to work on themselves and why they choose to separate is because they don't want to experience the discomfort. Mm -hmm. of having to work on themselves and and that's why people don't stay together mm -hmm. and and they blame their spouse you're not making me feel good mm -hmm. you're not making me happy this is not what i signed up for yeah i lost that love and feeling you're not living up to my fantasy mm -hmm. and i tell you what until you're willing to lay your fantasy down, crucify it and crucify it, destroy it. You're going to stay unhappy and it's going to keep you on this endless search for happiness mm. because you can, you have fantasies about everything in your life and you're just going to keep going from spouse to spouse to spouse, trying to find somebody to fill, fulfill this little fantasy of yours. Mm -hmm. And it's never going to happen yeah. until you own your story, you lay it down because until you own your story and lay the fantasy down, then no one gets to see who you really are. That's a good word. That's a really good word. And, you know, I'm going to go back to the crucifixion. You know, I used to always hear, you know, you're going to pick up your cross and carry it. You know, that's that's what they, they tell you. And you're, you're going to have to be crucified with Christ. You're crucified with Christ. <laughs> I didn't understand what that meant until I had to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah. the most painful thing you have to do. I am not going to sit here and lie and tell you crucifixion's fun. Crucifixion is awful. But it's got to happen. It's awfully good. 
Yeah, it's like Brene Brown says that everyone has to walk through the swampland of their soul. That's right. If they want to have freedom. There's no easy way around it. No you can't shortcut. bypass it. No yeah. shortcuts. Well, because once you get crucified, guess what? You get resurrected. That old right. part of you is dead. Bye. Girl, bye. Resurrection and, and redemption. And, that mm -hmm. is, and that's where the redemption comes in. Because once you get resurrected, then you can redeem the time. You can redeem the stuff. You can redeem the relationship. Because yes. you no longer have those needs that need to be met. Mm -hmm. Because you died to self. At least on yeah. that level. I mean, sometimes you have to go through the crucifixion a couple of times because we're mm -hmm. like onions. We have layers. So mm -hmm. sometimes you kind of have to go a couple of times. But each time you go, it gets easier. Because mm -hmm. you know the absolute resurrection. See, yes. Jesus knew how hard it was going to be, but he also knew what laid on the other side. That's what kept him going. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. It's what's waiting on the other side. Right. That that reward waiting on the other side of the risk mm -hmm. that you take to be un to get uncomfortable, own your story, walk through your mess, and find redemption on the other side. That's so good. That is so good. Um, I would really love it if you guys wouldn't mind praying for couples. Would you mind doing that? No, I can do that. Okay. Thank yeah. you, Philip. Yeah. So, Father, we just thank you tonight. Yes. Uh, couples all across this country at home, uh, and many of them probably are in conflict. And so, Father, I pray that you would show up right in the middle of their conflict. Mm -hmm. And wherever the pain is, whether it's over things that have happened outside of the home or things that are happening at home, the conflict maybe that's been going on for years, Lord, mm -hmm. stuff that, that they feel like cannot be fixed. Yes. I pray that you would remind them that on the cross, you made a way for all of our sin and its consequences. Yes. And that means everything we've ever done all and all of the messes we've created can be cleaned up mm -hmm. because of what you did in the finished work of, of the cross and your blood and your broken body is enough to heal us. And so I release healing. I release healing tonight to all of those couples who have given up hope and begun to start the process of divorce. You've mm -hmm. begun to even think there. You've begun to think in that way. And the enemy is, is he has got an accusation that he is using uh, to speak against your spouse with your own voice. And I just say in Jesus name, let hope come back. Yes. Let healing come back. And understand that God wants to come into that dark place, that lonely place, that desperate place, and meet you right there today, yes. right there tonight. Yes. And so all you need to do is invite him in wherever you're hurting. You may be in the marriage and you may feel very lonely. That often happens to us in marriage. You may mm -hmm. feel very disconnected. You may feel very rejected. You may feel very angry. You may feel like the problem. Yeah. And or you may feel like you are the one who can't do anything right. That that no matter how hard you try, Holy Spirit, come into that place mm -hmm. and begin to speak words of life and words of reconciliation and words of healing that start to take that pain out 
And I just would ask you to just to begin to give it to him tonight. You know, Lord, here's my pain. Mm -hmm. Here's my struggle. Yes. Here's my fear. Here's my hopelessness, Lord. And just begin to exchange, just release it to him and mm -hmm. ask him to speak life into your heart. And so, Father, we pray. We pray for a movement. We pray for a marriage revival in this country. Yes. Bring us back to those covenant-centered mm -hmm. relationships. Bring us back to what marriage should mm -hmm. be. Not, not just what we've turned it into, yes. but bring it back to what it should be, where in our unperfectness, mm -hmm. your perfect love redeems everything. Yes, yes. In Jesus' name. Yes, in Jesus' name. That mm -hmm. was so good. That was so mm -hmm. good. You guys are awesome. Yes, <laughs> definitely the fixer-uppers. We're yeah. going gonna to have to have you come back on the show. All right. I, would I, think, love to. I think there's some, I think there's some other stuff that we can, we can definitely talk about, but um, I'm going to tell you guys that you want to get a copy. If you know somebody who needs little tweaking in their marriage, if it's not for you, but this would be a great resurrection gift for people. Mm. You can say, Hey, you've been on my heart and I'd like to help to resurrect your marriage. I know that you've been thinking mm. about leaving and I know you've been thinking you can't wait until this coronavirus is over so you can pack your bags and go. But maybe it's time for you to learn something about yourself. Maybe it's time for you to see that marriage might not be perfect, but it, but it can be better. It can get healed. It can be redeemed. So I would say go to BeCourageousCoaching.com. You can get your copy, send it to a friend, send it to a couple of people. Hey, you know what? There is nothing like a good book in a pandemic to help get mm -hmm. you through, especially, yes. especially if you can start doing it with your spouse. Hey, yeah. you can start going chapter by chapter and saying, hey, look, Maybe, maybe this is something we need to look at before we start looking at going for a divorce. Because I really do believe if, if you guys understood, well, I know you guys understand it, but if people truly understood the power of praying couples, mm -hmm. that the power of a husband and a wife is one of the strongest prayers. Mm -hmm. It's one of the mm -hmm. strongest prayers. I mean, the enemy can't do nothing about it. He cannot do anything about it. That is when, that's why he's so after families. That's yeah, why he's right. so after marriages. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, why I'll he's also deciding. Go ahead. Now, on a quick note, I literally almost died and it was my wife's prayers that brought me back. I guarantee it. Say stories in the book. Stories in the book. Say, <laughs> and I'll say this too. And you know, it, maybe you're not having struggling in your marriage. Maybe you're just needing hope during these hard times. We say that our superpower is braving hard things. And you're going to find story after story after story of how we braved and overcame hard things for you to find inspiration to get through this hard thing in our world right now. And that would be a great reason to buy our book as well. I'm telling you, the unperfect marriage. Yes. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> but God. But God. Yes. Because honestly, but, but God, that's what it should say. <laughs> the unperfect marriage, but God. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much for coming on. Thank this you. has been and such a blessing and yeah. happy, um, happy resurrection day to you yes, guys yeah. as well. Everyone and watching. blessed and, uh, and hopefully um, we'll be done with this uh, very, very soon. So thank you guys. For, All right. Uh, 
Yes, bless you. you too. God bless. And okay. thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Please share this with your friends. If you would like to get a copy, again, it is The Unperfect Marriage. It is by Philip and Darlena Fields. I am telling you, this is going to be a book that is going to help through the difficult times because you need to see that Jesus is in all the difficulties. He is yes. there. He is present. And he wants your marriage fixed even more than you do. So yes. thank you guys for tuning in. Be blessed. Stay protected. Follow the guidelines. We will see you next week on Touch by Prayer. Join me tomorrow when we have our prayer time at three o'clock in the afternoon. I have Melody Posh. We're going to be praying for the redemption and the repentance of time. Oh, heck to wow. be yeah. It's going to be a, yeah, it's going to be a powerful, powerful hour. I am. So, oh, heck yeah. So thank you guys for tuning in. Just remember <laughs> to go out and touch someone. Good night.